Anyways, it's good to be here with you all this morning. Um, You might not believe me, but when we were going through the Apostles' Creed and uh, breaking it down into the different sections and assigning the different sections for different people from our community to speak on, and I ended up with, I believe in God, the maker of heaven and earth. Uh, I didn't actually request the passage, but I was very pleased when I ended up with it because as some of you might know, Uh, creation and the environment and those things are things that are dear to my heart. And I'm excited to talk about creation because like we were singing in those songs earlier, it is beautiful and you do see God's heart and you do see his love through all of it and through each other. And when you look at the Bible, there's in those early verses, in those early chapters, Creation is obviously central. It's the creation story, how we came to be. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Genesis 2.19, the Lord brought the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air to the man to see what he would name them. Genesis 2.24, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Even in these beginning, early verses, the first thing we're really told to do by God is to care for creation. We are supposed to be the stewards. We're supposed to take joy in creation, just like God takes joy in creation as well. And we're supposed to take ownership of creation. So just that we were the ones to name the creatures and to name the beasts, that was was man's job to do. We're supposed to take ownership of it. And we're supposed to continue creation. We're supposed to have families, foster families, be family to one another. And we're supposed to be in relationship. And the ability to care for creation, the ability to foster it, the ability to continue creation and see it all is wonderful because as we know, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And I think that that's one of the more beautiful things that you can read because it's hard sometimes to always feel good. It's sometimes hard to feel confident about ourselves or about the way things are going in the world. But God saw creation and said that it was very good. And I just want to read Psalm 33 right now, because while I could tell you all about the ways I think creation is good, I think Psalm 33 does a great job of talking about how God sees us and how God sees what he has made. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully, and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, we were made, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breadth of the mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. 
Blessed is the nation whose God is in the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice. For we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. So creation is beautiful. That's really all there is to say about it. Um, But as I was preparing, you know, getting all excited, wanting to talk about all these different things, one of the things I started realizing was this line, God, the creator of heaven and earth, was added to the Apostles' Creed for a reason. The Apostles' Creed, as we're learning and as we're talking about over the summer, is something that lays out some of these very basic truths that we as Christians need to be believing, that we need to hold true and hold firm in our hearts. So I started to think about and wonder, okay, what is it about God as the creator that is so important for us to remember, so important for us to talk about? So that's what I want to talk about a little bit now, is why is God, maker of heaven and earth, important to believe in? So I think of creation as being a labor of love. Um, So a labor of love is something that you engage in or something that you do that you don't have to do. It doesn't serve maybe a specific purpose. Sometimes there aren't exact um, outcomes that make it seem like it makes sense. And I think that's kind of what we're like. So God loves us. We are inspired creations. He made us for his pleasure. But I'm pretty sure we aggravate him more often than not. We are not an obedient people. We like to read the Old Testament and think, well, I would never do that. Why did Israel do that? We like to read the New Testament and say, the disciples were so silly. How could they not see what Jesus was trying to say to them? But over and over again, we fall short and we make mistakes. And over and over again, God looks at us, his creation, and says, I love you. I might be frustrated, but I still love you. And it doesn't always make sense why he would continue to pour into us and love us. But he does. And that's where I feel like we are a labor of love for God. And I'd like you to think about maybe something in your life that might be a labor of love. Think about in your life, what is something that you do? Because despite all the facts, despite everything else that other people might say, it brings you joy and love. Um, for David and myself, one of our labors of love has been our house. So most of you probably know what now feels like many, many moons ago, we bought this little house up in the hamlet of Eudora. It is a very small house. Uh, When we first bought it, it was probably about 650, 700 square feet. It grew because we had to layer by layer... uh Uh-oh. Layer by layer, we had to remove the walls and take everything down. So here is one of the photos of us taking down one layer of the ceiling because while we thought, oh, it should be easy, we'll just go in and take everything out. 
we would take one down, one layer of drywall, and behind it would be another layer of drywall. So it'd be like, okay, we'll take down this weird second layer of drywall, and we take that down. Behind that, there would be a layer of plywood that wasn't screwed in, it was glued in. So we would take chisels and hammers and slowly chip away and pull down that layer of plywood. And then under that, there was some chipboard, and under that, there was, for reasons unknown, roof shingles. Layer after layer after layer, this strange house revealed us to us strange mysteries and strangenesses and frustrations, and it was hard. It took us the better part of a year and a half just to take out all of the old walls and ceilings, not to mention the old electrical, the old plumbing, the old well. There was a lot that had to get done. And it was messy. It wasn't always pretty, it wasn't always fun, it wasn't always exciting. More often than not, we had people come up to us and say, why don't you just sell it and buy a turnkey property? Why would you put yourself through this? Even now, it's been years and we're still not living up there because I'm sure as you homeowners know, talking with one contractor to get one job is difficult, but talking with all the contractors to get all of the contract jobs done Well, our roof was supposed to be a process of, you know, a few, you know, you'd think, I'll meet with a few roofers. Well, they'll give us a quote. We'll get the job done. I think it took us about a year just to get someone to give us a quote. And it took us another six months after that before they actually came to the house to do this. And this happened probably about three days after our wedding. So, you know, lots of work, lots of energy, lots of mess, lots of people saying, I'm not sure you made the right decision. But it's a labor of love because when it all is said and done, we love it up there. It might seem silly. It might not seem like the most beautiful place in the world. I'm trying to get this thing to work, but it's not. Do you mind? There we go. So this is how we feel. This is my little dog, Maisie. And when we bring our two dogs up to the house, we just relax And we go, oh, this is so nice. And you feel the city just melt off of you. And you just have a smile. And you just are able to release that stress. It's a labor of love. It doesn't always make sense. It's taken far more time than we ever thought or imagined it would. But we don't regret it. And that's kind of how I think God feels about us as his creation. So if we can go to the next slide. Genesis 9, 6, for in the image of God has God made man. God wanted to give up. We hear about that in the story of Noah, where, you know, that's it. Game's over. You guys are all awful. I'm just going to get rid of the earth. I'm going to get rid of the world. We're just going to start fresh. But we're made in God's image. And after the floods came the rainbow... And in verse 12 of Genesis 9, we see that God says, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. God loves creation. He loves us. He loves his earth. He loves his people. Even despite everything that goes wrong, even despite everything we do to frustrate God, to make him upset so that sometimes he gets to that point of going, oh, is it worth it? He still says that God saw it and it was very good. If we can go to the next slide. 
Because we go back to that place. And it's important to realize that even, you know, it's easy to say, well, creation was good when we're sitting in the Garden of Eden and everything is all perfect and beautiful and nothing has marred the world yet. But even after the fall of man, even after we had already screwed up, God still makes that covenant. He still says, no, I am a relational being. I take joy. I take love. I take pleasure in my creation. And you are made in my image. So you're going to take joy and love in creation. You're going to be relational. You're going to continue in relationship with creation and with each other. And God's creation is very good. We are very good. God's creation is sacred. We are sacred. So that's why uh, I think this is what I came up with, and this is what I was reading and going through about why it's so important to realize um, that God is the creator of heaven and earth. This is why it's important that the early Christian teachers and apostles brought that line into the Apostles' Creed, because it sets us up for knowing why we need to be in relationship to this world around us. It sets us up for how God sees us, how God views us through his lens as his creation and as his beautiful and perfect people. But so what? That's always the way a message goes, right? Okay, here's the information, and so what? So I made this very, very high-tech diagram here um, because I'm obviously good at Photoshop. Um, And this is kind of what I'm calling the creation care wheel. I come from a member care background, and they have this wheel that talks about how do you care for yourself and uh, how how does your organization care for you so that you can be good and healthy to your job well. So I kind of took that idea and created this very complex creation care wheel. Um, so our first job, so the idea is at the center is the most important part. The center is your heart. That is where you need to be set on. If you don't have the center right, everything else is going to be more difficult. Everything else is going to be harder. Everything else is going to fall apart. And then you work your way out so that you're able to be in full relationship and care um, with, with the creator and his creation. So that first center is, of course, care for our creator. So, of course, we need to care for our creator. We need to build that relationship with God. We need to make sure that we recognize that relationship and that love with him first and foremost. Because our first job as his creation is to glorify God and to nurture our relationship with him. And so often it is so easy to forget about that part You know, you kind of get going well and you think, no, 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 I don't need God anymore. God, I've got this. I've taken off the training wheels. It's okay. But we need to take that space. We need to take that um, area and time in our life, even if it's just a little bit of pointed time, focus that time on God, however it works for you. I'm not going to be telling you how to be in relationship with God because I really believe that these relationships are going to be individual. It's going to be what, how you connect best. So for me, I do, I do take time in the morning to meditate and to kind of pray and center myself on God. But some people aren't really audible prayers. I know my dad doesn't really like to say that, Dear Jesus, this is what I'd like today. That's just not his style. So he has other ways of connecting with the Creator. He has other ways, his own ways of being in relationship with God. 
And that's good, and that's okay, and that's part of the beauty of humanity and creation is that we are all so different at the same time as we are all together. And that second uh, round is caring for ourselves. Psalm 139, 13 through 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Uh, people, we often joke in my family because the Yangos are very good at being um, prideful and confident. We are a little bit pig-headed and strong-willed. But even so, even for people like the Yangos who don't like to step down and don't like to admit when they're wrong, confidence is hard. Self-doubt is easy. Regret and uh, just that those feelings of tearing yourself down, they happen all the time. It is hard to really look at yourself through God's eyes. It's hard to see yourself as beautiful and as wonderfully made. It is hard to see ourselves as um, knit together, wonderfully made, a wonderful work of God. One of the ways that I think it's easier to see it is when you look around at kids. So last week, Ben and Charity were here, and they had little Anna Sophia, and her smile is just contagious. Even on Friday, I met up with Charity, and we were at McDonald's, and Anna Sophia's just smiling, 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 and all of the strangers around us are stopping to talk to her because she's just the cutest little girl. And when you think of yourself as a child, and when you think of how people look at those cute children with the crazy chubby cheeks, that's how God's looking at you. So take a moment. Think about yourself. Think about how beloved and beautiful you are in God's eyes. Take away all the self-doubt. Take away all those uh, regrets that you have. You know that thing you did 12 years ago that you still lay awake at night thinking about and you can't get sleep because you're like, oh, I can't believe I did that. It's okay to release that. It's okay to lay that before the cross and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am a wonderful creation. Care for yourself. See yourself through the eyes of God and see yourself as an inspired creation. You weren't a mistake. You weren't just poof, there you are. You were intentionally put here. You were intentionally, with inspiration, knit together. You deserve to be here and you deserve that love that God has poured into his creation. And the third wheel is to care for each other if it comes up. And of course, one of the wonderful things about when you start to care about yourself and when you start to see yourself as an inspired creation, all of a sudden it becomes impossible to look at anyone else around you and not realize that they are also inspired creations of God. And that's beautiful because we are so different. We have our own personalities. We have our own likes and dislikes. We have our own backgrounds, our own ethnicities, our own families, our own cultures. But as we were listening last week, we have one God. We have one creator. And all the things that separate us, all the things that make us different, they really aren't that different at all. We all come together under our one creator and under our one God. Regardless of whether or not we always believe in the same things, the truth is still the truth. One creation, one church. 
So we need to care for one another. We need to be able to set aside the differences that even the ones that might seem hard to let go of, even the ones with, you know, the Bible uses the word enemy. I'm sure it's hard to use the word enemy in daily life, but there are those people in our lives where you just, you kind of see them, they come into the same room as you and your whole body tenses up. If you have one of those people in your life, As hard as it is, remember that they are inspired creations just the same way you are. And it doesn't mean you have to become best friends. It just means that you should be treating them as creation, as God's beloved creation. We need to take care of one another. We need to love one another. I mean, we all know the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We are more alike than we are different. Care for creation. Care for one another. And the last, oops, well, we'll stay there. That's fine. The last uh, ring on that is to care for earth and its creatures. So we go back to that verse in Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. That is the first thing we hear from God as uh, his people on earth, is to care for creation, the earth and everything in it. So I don't want to be too preachy about this. I don't want to make you feel bad. But I do want to talk about some of the hard, hard things about the way that we lack creation care in our daily lives right now. Um, and the first thing is I want to look at is just plastic. We use so much, so much plastic. So this graph here comes from a group called the Sustainable Coastlines, and it's an organization that does coastal cleanup events. And what this graph is showing is that over the span of, I think it's just a number of months there, December 2012 to April 2013, they picked up over a million individual items And most of these items that they're picking up off of the beach and out of our oceans are single-use items. So plastic wrappers, caps and lids, plastic bags, polystyrene, and all of those straws and utensils and water bottles and plastic things. We use a lot of disposable plastic. And it is just, you know, it's filling our oceans. It's filling our space. It's contaminating our soil and our air. It doesn't biodegrade. It just gets smaller. It won't disappear. And it's hard because it is so convenient. I know what it's like to plan a party and go, you know what, I don't really want to clean the 30, 40 forks. But maybe those are some of the small ways that we can start making changes to care for this planet that we have, to care for God's creation. Um, The second graph, water bottles. We use so many water bottles. I think I read a statistic this morning that globally we use a million water bottles every minute. And of those million water bottles globally, only 9% of them get recycled. The rest of the 91% of these million water bottles a minute end up in landfills or probably our oceans. So again, it's so convenient. I know what it's like to be thirsty and think, you know what, I'm just going to pick up this water bottle. But it's an easy fix, especially in places we, where we are so gifted to have clean drinking water. We aren't the ones that are living in these places without access to clean water. We are the gifted. We are the one percenters. 
So let's take a little bit of effort on ourselves to be able to care for this planet and care for this creation. And then the third graph I want to look at, I know we don't have to go through all of it, is just stuff. We have so much stuff. And this graph that I got from um, a recycling services website from the UK lists that 80% of what we make is made to be disposable within six months. So that might not be a water bottle, but that might be some of those toys or some of those articles of clothing that we buy from fast fashion. Things that you know you buy and you don't think too much of, it's only $10 after all. It was on sale. But we buy and we consume. And we ne don't very often think about where it goes at the end of its life. And more often than not, again, landfills and the ocean. That's where it's ending up. And it's easy to forget about all of those things because we live in a beautiful city. Toronto does a great job of keeping things clean. Toronto does a great job of picking up our garbage and picking everything up and taking it away so we don't ever think about it or see it again. But not everyone is so lucky. So this, oh, well, both of these places here are from one of the towns my parents lived in in the Philippines, Zamboanga. And this is one of the communities they worked in. And my mom is over here, so she'll tell me if I'm wrong. But my understanding is this community is living here because they were relocated because the river lake they used to live at became so contaminated with garbage that the fish died, nothing was livable, it was too dirty for life to live. And they were relocated to this place, and now look how beautiful this is. This, again, contaminated waters, garbage. We don't have to see where our garbage goes. We don't have to see what happens when we don't take care of creation. But others aren't so lucky. The people that live in these places, this is where they live. This is where they work. You can see that blue and yellow building there. That's their mosque. This is where they worship. I've had people complain to me because we have like a little bit of a stain on a carpet here at Wellspring. But imagine that this is where you're worshiping, where there's, that's the only place people have given you. We don't have to see it, but by not taking care of the earth, we also aren't taking care of each other as people, and we're not taking care of ourselves either, and we absolutely aren't taking care of our creator. And I don't want to say this as a condemning, you should all be better, I'm so perfect, because I'm not perfect. I do all of those things. I go to the fast food places, I buy the fast fashion, I do all those things as well. But there are ways that we can help, there are ways that we can make small changes. Um, I won't go into all of them now, because again, we've got the internet, it's pretty easy to find out ways to make a difference in these areas. If this goes to the next one, maybe Andy can help me. You know, really the biggest one that I see over and over popping up is just to use re reusable items. Don't use that quick plastic. Don't use those things because that's what ends up contaminating everything and things that we can't get back. We think of water as a renewable resource, but it's not. Very little of the, fresh, of the water on Earth is fresh water. I think what I heard this morning was the statistic was 0.4% of all the water is fresh. And that's all we got, and that's all we're gonna get. So again, it's not about trying to come down on you. It's not about finger-wagging. Because at the end of the day, 
our point here, our point of recognizing God as the creator of all of us, as the creator of earth, is to remember that God made us with love. He takes joy in us. He loves us no matter what. We are his inspired creation. He doesn't need us. He doesn't require us to be God, the creator. He wants us. He wants us. So as we continue on in our lives, as we continue out of here this morning, as we continue to try and care for our creator, for ourselves as creation, for each other as creation, and, as, and for the earth as creation, just remember that. It's not about trying to be perfect. It's not about trying to be the best at creation care. It's about relationship. It's about being in relationship with God and one another and the earth because that's what God is, relational, and we are made in his image. And I just want to encourage you, take joy in creation as well. Get outside. Experience it. Because that's what creation is for. God created this beautiful world for us as his people who he loves. So we're meant to enjoy it. We're meant to experience it. We're meant to have joy. We're not supposed to go around as, oh no, this is bad. You shouldn't do that. Why did you use that straw? We're supposed to love one another and be happy. And I just want to really drive that home because that's the point. Being joyful and being in relationship. So let's just take a moment to pray.